Welcome to Speaking of Animals. I am your host, Caitlin Holling, and I hope you all are having a great Saturday morning. Thank you for listening. If you tuned in last week, you heard us tell you a little bit about DPFL, or Dogs Playing for Life, and their program that they run around the country and in Canada, and they help out dogs. Um, and we've also started initiating their play groups at the Flag of the Humane Society. So I have my coworker Graham with me today. Graham, do you want to give a quick refresher to our listeners who, in case they missed last week, as to what DPFL is and what their company does? Absolutely. Uh, so DPFL, it stands for Dogs Playing for Life. Um, it was a company founded by a uh, lady named Amy Sadler, who was uh, working in shelters and uh, realized the uh, the kind of issue that we noticed as volunteers working at shelters that the dogs are kept in social isolation and in uh, cages, basically, for the bulk of their day, which is dogs have a lot of energy. They, uh, they need a lot of energy to burn. And a dog that is satiated and have their needs met is a much happier dog than one that uh, needs to expend a bunch of energy. So she realized that, that which we, we actually also came to this conclusion separately, that it's much, you have much happier dogs when they have been out in play in the play yard and been able to expend that energy uh-huh. um it's especially good with you know throwing a ball or getting mental stimulation out of them but you can only do one dog at a time that way yeah. and what she came up with is to have multiple dogs so in the same time that you are going to spend on one dog instead of having one dog you have five dogs out so it's you know produce it burns a lot more energy and it also does like we discussed a little bit last week it's much more uh you know, expending energy with the dogs playing with each other than anything that I could do or you could do. You know, even just throwing a ball is just just us, and they run around and are able to play with each other. Um, yes, they get a lot more energy out by playing with each other than they do with us. If we ever tried to get all that energy out, we would never be able to compare to them playing with the other dogs. So it definitely is a great program. It is, and the not only that, but they. Uh, by playing with each other, they learn from each other. And uh, I kind of addressed this a little bit last week that they uh, learn much better from each other than anything that I could teach them. Um, and we've, you know, we've seen dogs, which has been really cool to see dogs that come in and are are either rude or they have they are not exactly sure how to relate with the other dogs. They're on good manners or good socialization, which is common. It is. It is. Even even among dogs that are owned by, you know, that, are, that have happy homes, mm-hmm. you know, our dog is not perfectly socialized. Um, she could use much more better um, manners. Exactly. She's a little rude. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. Yeah. Uh, which we've we've realized that the more we've worked and the more um, we've studied the DPFL manuals, realized that that's a certain play style. That that's just uh, dogs have individual play styles, and some are more. Um, wrestling, it's called rough and rowdy. We'll, we'll get into that a little later, but it's uh, that was a others. big thing I really noticed was that all the dogs are individuals, and it's really yes. cool to be able to see that they're all they all have their individual personalities, just like humans. And you can't just kind of stereotype one dog or one breed or one gender or anything like that. That doesn't 
determine how they're going to act. Um, so it's really cool to see they're all unique personalities. And also it's even cooler to bring in um, unconfident dogs that are a little scared or a little hesitant that have their tail between their legs. And then once you get them and they're getting socialized, they get a lot more confident. And it's so quick. It's like nope. in 30 nope. minutes they have their tail up, they're playing, they're being rough like the other dogs, and they're just having a good time. And they're not scared or they're just building their confidence and building their socialization skills, which is exactly what we want to do to help them get adopted and yep. into the world, which <laughs> is our goal. I agree. It's. I mean, we just saw today. We actually just came from mm-hmm. doing a play group at FHS. Came straight over here to do this uh, radio show, and uh, it's. We just saw a dog today that we. He, they were really unconfident. They his had their tail Spade. between. Yeah, he <laughs> had his tail between his legs. He was. We were kind of worried, honestly, because we. We the way we do it is we uh, allow them to do it. It's called a gate greeting, which is where they we see the dogs and they're able to smell and see each other through the chain link fence but there's a fence in between them just to see look at their their tail look at their body make, their body language make sure they're not stiff you know look at their eyes there's a bunch of different signs when taken together can kind of describe what the dog is feeling um, at, at any given moment and uh, we take all of that and then if it's good then we move on to the the catch pen greeting which is like an airlock type fence for the playpen exactly um and if that's good then we introduce him and during the gate greeting or even during the the catch pen greeting it was a little uneasy his tail was a little still between his legs he was unsure and so we were not sure whether to proceed and we did and it went great it's he uh within probably like five minutes or so he was you know wrestling and tumbling with the other dogs in the in the group so it's really great to see it is it is it's like the most rewarding thing (laughs) yeah Oh, so do you want to tell them a little bit about how DPFL helps around the country and Canada? Absolutely. So, so they, they – uh, it's an organization that um, they – again, their, their mantra is to get uh, as many dogs playing with each other in a shelter environment for, for all the benefits we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they do is they have a, uh, they have a center in, in Live Oak, Florida. So it's they have the, dogs at their facility. They do. Well, they, so they, they, at the canine center, they, there's a facility in Longmont which doesn't have the, the same – um, space is the one in Florida does, and then there's one in Live Oak. And the one in Live Oak is called the Canine Center Florida, and what they do is they have a population of 36 dogs that are residents in their kennels. There, uh, 28 of them are from uh, dogs with severe behavioral issues from all across the country. Some from Canada, some I think from Mexico. I think were sent there as well. Uh-huh. Um, but basically, dogs or uh, shelters have these dogs with severe be- behavioral issues that. Uh, don't get along well with the, their shelter population that are have uh, severe issues, and then they send them to the the Canine Center Florida, and there they uh, run play groups every day, and, and they try to work with them exactly, and then they they uh, they get the dogs to learn from the other dogs basically, and and uh, send them back to the shelters so they can be adopted out to a uh, a loving home, or sometimes they just get adopted directly from. The, the CCF. Um, so DPFL focuses on pretty much the dogs with the worst behavior problems in the country. Exactly. And, and they still run playgroup with those dogs. So it's they, they, uh, they have that, uh, the, the CCF there, and they actually have, which is what I was able to go do, is they have a, uh, something called a shadow program where um, I went for, uh, for four days, um, eight hours a day, to uh, basically shadow their the, the staff they have working there, working with the dogs uh, in the mornings, they would do uh, play groups, which I was able to, to watch and watch the play groups with these dogs with, uh, you know, severe behavioral issues. And 
they were able to run the playgroups with them, and it was honestly pretty. Uh, it's pretty civil. It, there was a, <laughs> I saw one fight, but that was it. So, okay, and it yeah. was uh, that was honestly a good experience to see to be how able they to, handle the fight exactly, and because that's kind of their whole. Their whole idea is that you want to get the dogs out and you want to get the dogs playing, but you want to do it in a safe way. Mm-hmm. And that's what has been, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's been really given me so much confidence in definitely having playgroup to knowing that we have all these tools and we have, it's, it's been, it's been studied. It's been, you know, they, but they will work. Exactly. If there is and, an emergency yep. or a fight that these tools that we have actually will help yep. stop them from fighting, which is a good um, backup to have for sure. It is. And of course we never want it to happen, but when the times that it has happened, it has been very nice to have things in a hierarchy of exactly what to do and when to do it. So, so what exactly was your daily routine like at the DPFL seminar when you learned about it? So basically in the mornings from, uh, from eight until about 1230 or one, um, we, I would watch play group. There'd be a one, two, or three—at least two. Sometimes three, sometimes just two. So three um, playgroups every day. No, no, no. It, oh. would, well, it would be more than way more than that. I was saying uh, two or three staff members would run the playgroups, oh, okay. and then it would be—I uh, mean, they would get every single dog out. So it would probably be typically it would be about eight or nine different playgroups. Oh, wow. Sometimes the same dog would stay throughout all the playgroups. Okay, awesome. The, the way that we've been doing playgroups at FHS, we've kind of rotated out a lot of the dogs, but mm-hmm. there they would have. Because they know the dogs better, and they would be able to split them up. So that is one thing that we've learned that is a hindrance for us at the Humane Society is um, the population changes so quickly at the Flagler Humane Society, um, which is good. We love that the dogs are getting adopted and getting out of there quickly, but it's hard to kind of find those really good social dogs for the playgroups every time. It's very go. true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one quick break, and we'll be right back. Alrighty, and we're back. And we briefly talked about the different play styles that Graham learned about, and we have learned about from the DPFL group and the DPFL manual. And there's four play styles, you said? Exactly. So can you talk a little bit about the four different play styles and how you determine that a dog is one of those play styles? Well, it's yes, I, I will go through them, but you, you bring up a good point that they are, and you said before, they're individuals. Mm-hmm. So these are general kind of uh, characteristics that they tend to fit into but there's some overlap sometimes and uh it's uh but uh the the first one and typically the most easy to deal with is called gentle dainty um it's uh, characterized by a very mutual play um they're relatively quiet they don't vocalize too much with each other um and it's uh characterized by frequently stopping and starting play uh this group can uh, individuals in this group can easily become nervous, mm-hmm. so that's uh, something to look out for. Um, but that's that's basically gentle dainty. Um, the next one is a uh, it's called a uh, push pull, where it's uh, it's less mutual play. Um, it's characterized by chasing, driving, or nipping. Um, kind of what I kind of think about is kind of like a border collie herding sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, they prefer to not directly engage and they prefer to move other dogs around rather than interact with them directly. Um, it can get noisy. Um, they may use something called demand barking, which is where they bark at the other dog. And it's not 
really for anything other than to say, hey, I want you to play with me or, hey, I want your attention. Um, this push-pull can escalate quickly and often ends in conflict because it's annoying to other dogs. And it's, uh, it's one of the play styles that needs a lot of help from the handlers, us, to, uh, to make sure to keep things civil and keep things from escalating too, too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next uh, group is called Rough and Rowdy. Um, it's a mostly mutual play style, so they both they mostly will want to directly engage the other dogs and play with them directly. Um, it's very vocal, noisy. Um, it's characterized by a physical play style, a lot of wrestling. Um, it's a lot of grabbing and holding the other dogs. Very uh, mouthy. Yes, <laughs> can absolutely. can look a little intimidating or yes, scary. Yes, <laughs> it absolutely can. And that's, it actually says that in the DPFL manual, that uh, because of these characteristics, um, it's not all handlers will be comfortable running a play group with rough and rowdy dogs. It, uh, it, the, uh, the play can escalate very quickly. Um, if the dog is social and knows how to act, it can also calm down if the situation calls for it. Um, and it's the rough and rowdy group is prone to uh, to trigger conflicts. Um, we, uh, which we've kind of seen a little bit. We've gotten in, just in, because, yeah, they're so rough and they're yep. like they're a lot. They're they're a lot and they're rambunctious and they're kind of just running all over, pushing into everyone and being rough and rowdy. It, <laughs> so if yes. the other dogs aren't like that, they are more gentle, dainty. Um, or whatever, they're just a little more calmer. They're not going to like all that crazy, rambunctious energy, and they might try to correct them, which can lead to a conflict, which we don't want. <laughs> exactly. And the last uh, last group is actually incredibly rare. Um, it's called Seek and Destroy. Um, it's not mutual play. Uh, it's rooted in prey drive. It's, uh, it's a lot of growling and squealing, and it can escalate very easily to uh, potentially unsafe situations. Um, it's provocative to all the other play styles, and uh, a seek and destroy dog can actually influence aggressive behavior from other dogs in the group that aren't seek and destroy dogs. It can make them, by their actions and them kind of that group think of teaming up against the other dog, mm-hmm. can spread and can actually become like a, a pack mentality. Exactly, yeah. and become a, a bad, a bad group. Um, luckily, this the seek and destroy is actually incredibly uncommon. That was one of the mm-hmm. the real benefits of going to DPFL, their the CCF and seeing their uh, their program. Even with the you know dogs with the quote you know severest behavioral issues, there wasn't any seek and destroy dogs there. They uh, it's it's a very rare. Um, very rare play style so and also another thing they emphasize is that most dogs are social most dogs aren't gonna have an issue most dogs aren't gonna start a fight which honestly was a little surprising to me just working in the shelter environment we if you've ever been around the shelter around animals you kind of we're used to keeping them away from each other we don't walk close to other dogs we always are just cautious just in case we don't know obviously but we're just cautious we don't want to cause any conflicts or anything so I am very used to and very trained to just not have dogs interact just, but it's, it was very shocking to me to learn that dogs actually are very social and they're most likely not going to start fighting with each other. It's very rare for them to actually start a fight. So that gives me a lot, well, both of us, it gives us, it makes us feel a little bit better. It does. It does. And and we kind of have to step back and think that they are, I mean, these dogs have evolved to their, their pack animals. They can only survive in the wild if they work together, you know, Mm -hmm. and so it's, they have to solve those differences. So it's, and again, it's, it's, we never want to see a dog. We, you know, we obviously love dogs and we never want, yeah, exactly. We never want to see them get hurt, but it's uh, they usually do tend to work things out because if you think about it too, a, a wild animal. If you 
if they get into a fight and their uh, their paws are hurt or their teeth are hurt or their ears are hurt, then that will not be allow them to be able to hunt. And then they it's a survival thing. They they can't you know mm-hmm. get their sustenance if they can't hunt. So they really try to limit the uh, the actual fighting. Yes. So now that we've covered the different play styles, um, are you supposed to be keeping the same play styles together or can you mix play styles? Um, so typically, yes, you do want to keep the same play styles together. Um, the same ones generally do well. Um, okay. Push-pull, um, do well with other push-pull dogs as well as seek-and-destroy dogs. Um, they are all good together because they basically speak the same language where it's, it's more driving, it's more directing the other dogs rather mm-hmm. than directly engaging um on on the flip side rough and rowdy love to play together and we've really really seen this that that uh we've had dogs that out in either their push pull gentle dainty kind of a mix of all the different play styles together that are social and either are too young to correct the other ones and they've been totally fine and then we've introduced a dog that we now know is a rough and rowdy dog and that's when fights would break out pretty yes. much every single time because these dogs we would, we would be like what is wrong with this dog is it just a, a bad individual <laughs> it just yeah. Keeps- yeah, unfortunately yeah, a lot of the rough and rowdy dogs do get labeled as like bad with other dogs or not well socialized just because they are rough and a little rambunctious and yep. don't take the social cues from the other dogs as well yep. as the more calmer, gentle, or push-pull dogs would. Yep. But when the rough and rowdy dogs are playing together, it's it's amazing. It's incredible because they understand each other. They have the yep. same play style. They have the same language. So they really are playing well together. They're enjoying the roughness and the rowdiness, and they're just getting all their energy out, which is the goal always. Yep. yep. <laughs> all right, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back. Alrighty, and we're back with Graham. So, with the play styles, when do you need to intervene and kind of make sure or correct the dogs to make sure that the play styles are being neutral and no dog is kind of getting bullied? <laughs> so, the uh, the DPFM manual lists a couple of uh, instances where it does call for human intervention. Um, mm-hmm. As a general rule, we really want to let the dogs work things out for themselves. Okay. So, as long as they're being safe, then we want them to, you know, take the corrections, take the signs from the other dogs, and then adjust their behavior on that. But uh, in these instances, they, the DPFL manual suggests for us to intervene. Uh, the first is that when the play is not mutual, uh, if the uh, play is at the expense of the other dog, if there's a disproportionate response, so if it's an overcorrection, mm-hmm. um, at the gate greeting, sometimes we have to spray them with the uh, one of the tools to uh, – get them disperse them from the gate greeting because the fights typically happen right there or within the first 30 seconds or if there's an actual fight um but they uh the manual calls for which is very true to not punish the thought we uh we don't step in until the the fight actually happens because we sometimes we're wrong and if we correct thoughts then yeah we can lead to bad things so you mentioned that 
we have to use the correction tools. So what exactly are these correction tools? You mentioned a spray. I did. So it's a spray bottle. It's basically just a water bottle with mm-hmm. a, like a, a spray bottle that uh, sprays water at them. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is, uh, which can be, the spray bottle is individual. The so you're second, using these in steps. Exactly. So exactly. the spray bottle would yep. be the first step. Yep. Okay. The second would be a shake can, which is uh, it's basically coins in a uh, in an aluminum can. It makes noise. They don't like that. It's a loud, um, harsh noise. Yep. yep. So that's the second. Uh, the third is something called pet corrector, which is compressed air, which they, they don't like the sound as well as the, the air being sprayed at them. Uh, the fourth is an air horn, which is we typically only reserve if it's a real fight breaks out. Mm-hmm. And then if it, everything doesn't work, then we have a bite stick to... Uh, Separate their exactly get their mouth off the other dog exactly. Get, yeah. But that's that's a very last resort, and it's hopeful that that is never used. Usually, so. if they're in our experience that we've had, our brief experience over the last month that we've been doing this, um, the pet corrector has always been the one thing that is our go-to if we if the spray bottle and the shake can doesn't work, which we always do the spray bottle and the shake can first. We try to um, solve the conflict with the easiest level of correction um but then the pet corrector usually will guarantee usually always yep um, that, yep. yeah that it'll actually separate them and get them off of each other which is really useful to know and good to have yes. in, in the back of your mind <laughs> um so what are some key things that you've learned from running the playgroups at the human society um i mean mostly that that these dogs that we were labeled as you know not able to be adopted out with other dogs or that they're never good are actually perfectly good dogs. I mean, yes. take Bob, for example. He's a dog that's been there for about a year and a half. He's a pit boxer mix. He's got a lot of energy. And uh, kennel staff and everybody was like, oh, no, he's not going to be, you know, we're going to have to. And the worst part is we were kind of, well, he wasn't, we had him as not good with other dogs. So we weren't able to adopt him out with people that had other dogs. So now that we know he's okay with other dogs, we can actually get him adopted into a home that may have another animal or another dog, which is ideal because it's fairly hard to find someone that doesn't have any dogs and actually wants to take a chance and adopt a rescue dog. So it's really helpful to get these dogs more socialized and learn that they are good with other dogs. It's just, we just have to find the right dogs that can handle their play styles. And yep. like Bob, Bob is a little rough, so mm-hmm. he gets really he gets along really well with the rough and rowdy dogs. But I can see why they might have seen that he wouldn't be good with other dogs because he probably wasn't with the right um, individual or yep, yep. whatever it's, the circumstance. It's, it, maybe he just hasn't learned yet. You know, he, 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 he is he, young. Yeah. Yep. And he didn't get the, uh, the social cues. Another that, one today that shocked me was Roxy. Yep, uh, yep. If these dogs are all available and on our website, if you ever want to check them out, they would love loving homes if you're interested. But Roxy was just introduced into our play group today and she was a rock star. She was amazing. She has what we call barrier activity. So, um, she is reactive through the fence, but, once she was in the gate, she was so much better, and she was like, uh, I was surprised. I was so shocked. She yep, was that was awesome. To really see. great. She was um, being nice, and she was giving them space. She wasn't being too rough. She wasn't like jumping on them. She was. I was so impressed. Yep. <laughs> so now we can market her as being good with some dogs too. Like it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's always good to be uh, wrong about those. Yes. You're, you're gonna say, oh, these dogs aren't gonna work, and then oh no, we're wrong. It's it works great. So. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. I hope you all enjoyed and have a great Saturday. <laughs>